Welcome to an all-new episode of Fast Friends Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Cummins, at Logan Cummins on Twitter. And on today's episode, I'll try to make friends with Nick Thompson faster than you got wrapped up in his and Danielle's love story on season two of Love is Blind. Hi, I'm Logan Cummins. I'm a former pro wrestling creative, a mediocre stand-up comedian, and a ranch-dressing aficionado who lives beyond my means. This is my weekly podcast where I set out to make friends with each and every one of my guests. Sometimes it works. Other times, not so much. Hey everyone, it's Logan. It's Tuesday, so it's time for an all-new episode of Fast Friends Podcast. I wanted to say thank you so much for all the feedback. We've been getting a lot of uh, feedback on the show, some new ratings out on Apple Podcasts, some new ratings out on Spotify. If you haven't done so yet, go ahead and leave us one. We would love to hear from you, Uh, and maybe we'll even read it on the air. This week's episode is really fun for me. Uh, It's Nick Thompson from Love is Blind Season 2. You may remember I had Cameron Hamilton on from Season 1 of Love is Blind. And talked all about the the crazy reality show. Um, in this one, Nick and I talk a lot about season two and his relationship with Danielle. But we learn a lot about Nick, uh, sort of where he grew up, how he grew up um, in a very poor family, um, and some of the th- things that he experienced as a child, his favorite toy as a kid, his best and worst yearbook photo, uh, why he was sweating so bad at the Love is Blind wedding. Um, we talk about all of these things, plus, you know, uh, get into some boy bands road trips. We're going to be going to Royal Rumble next year. I mean, we have a really, really, really good time. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Let us know what you think. Nick, welcome to the Fast Friends Podcast. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me on, Logan. Of course. I'm excited that you're here. How's your day going? So far, so good. But I have to tell you, Chicago weather is really starting to weigh me down. Like, where is spring? It's never coming. I, I took a hard stand this week. I was like, I'm not getting my winter coat out again. Like, I don't care how Back cold it, it gets. Yep. I'm, uh, it's done. We're done. <laughs> I, I'm done. You know, it's funny because I always feel like in Chicago, the first day you hit 50 degrees, like everyone's in shorts and t-shirts. Yeah. And I think we hit it once this year, mm-hmm. maybe twice. And now we're like back to this miserable rain. It was snowing Monday night. Like what is this is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it's too much. It's um I'm trying to think when exactly it was. When I first moved to Chicago back in 2007, um I moved like on the very end of March. So April was like my first full month here. And um and I remember like I had stuff being moved like by movers and uh I didn't pack a coat cuz I was like, "Oh, it's like April, you know, it'll be fine." So I had like a jacket, but uh I remember very quickly regretting that and I had to buy one and have it. This was like before Amazon would get you things in, you know, 10 minutes. Uh, so to buy one and wait for it a few days. It was a it was a long couple of days of walking to work. Well, you you flipped the coin because in April it could also be 80 degrees. Like it's yeah. be, I think Saturday, I think it's going to hit 80. So it's absolutely. Like, you never know. Flip a coin. Absolutely. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's it's great to have you here. Um my wife and I were big fans of of Love Is Blind, so it was uh, it was awesome to watch everything unfold. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, it's such a fun, like honestly, just a fun show, really. Um, <laughs> so um, I, I remember like watching it for the first. So I I'm not a reality TV person. Like I I honestly oh, okay. can't really get into them. <laughs> I've watched occasionally here and there, um, 
But what happened was like, I heard about this show, obviously it hit right before everyone went into lockdown on COVID. And then I actually got recruited on LinkedIn for it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to watch it if I'm going to even like dabble in interviewing for this show. And I watched it and I was like, there's actually some authenticity to this one. Like it yeah. doesn't seem incredibly like fake and clout chasing. Not that, you know, they all are, but at least that's my perception yeah. of it as an outsider. And so it really is like, it's a, it's an interesting concept and an interesting experience. And it, <clears throat> it really, for me anyway, like with dating, it addressed my biggest critiques of the dating scene these days. And so mm -hmm. it's, it is, it's just like a very unique experience. Absolutely. It's funny. Like I had to actually convince my wife to watch the first season. So we didn't watch it when it first <laughs> came out. We actually didn't watch season one until, um, around the holidays last year. And, oh, wow. Um, and I was like, come on, like, you know, everybody has talked about it. Like we're kind of sitting at home, like, let's just give it a try. And she's like, fine. I'm a big Nick Lachey fan too. So, um, I was a little biased <laughs> from there, but, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, she, like, she was hooked and she's like, same thing as you. She's like, it's like a genuine social experiment. And I think that's like why I was so curious about it. Like, I want to see how it turns out and, you know, like how do things go when they actually find and meet each other? And like, you know, there's the logistics of like, we're in the same city, so we don't have to like upend our entire life. If, if this ends up working out, there are a lot of ways that it's like, it's very suitable for like actual relationships. And I'm sure there's, you know, like the clever stuff that goes on behind the scenes and with editing and all of that. But uh, yeah, great. It's a great watch for sure. Um, so I'm sure I have, I'm I have a couple questions. Enjoy it. It's, <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I am fascinated that you got uh, recruited on LinkedIn. So we'll have to get into that. Me both. A little bit, <laughs> a little bit. There, there may be a, a missed DM on some other social media platform. Cause I'm, again, I'm not that good at social media. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. The social is a, it's a challenge, right? It's a, it's, it's like a full-time job. It really is. It really is. Um, I'll give you a quick premise overview. Just I, I know that you mentioned that you have listened to a couple episodes, but um, I'll just give you a quick rundown and then we'll jump right in. Um, the first round is called the fast forward round. So one of the changes that we've recently made is um, setting a timer because people would say, I really love the fast forward round. I love the questions that you ask. I love getting to know people, but it's not fast because you talk too much, Logan. So um, <laughs> so I'm setting a timer for 20 minutes and I have 20 minutes to to kind of get through my questions for you there. The second round is called the five for five round. So I have five questions prepped for you. You have the opportunity to ask me five questions as well. Uh, and then the last round is the fast friends fortune teller, where we'll um, ask a few questions to reveal an activity. And then we'll end with a friend request. That sounds great. Awesome. Any questions before we jump in? I'm setting my timer. Not at all. Let's get into this. Let's go. Let's get. Okay. Timer's on. Um, <laughs> so I. If I if my research is correct, I think that you're from the Chicago area, but I also believe like maybe the suburbs, like Rolling Meadows. Let's see if my sleuthing is correct. No, you tracked me down. Yeah, I grew yeah. up uh, in in and around Rolling Meadows, Illinois. It's about 25 miles outside of Chicago, uh, so you know anywhere from 25 minutes to two and a half hours, depending on traffic on I ninety. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Rolling Meadows is. Uh, I used to go to the Walmart there when I lived downtown when we would like do our suburban excursions. So. Um, I mean, that's probably the biggest claim to fame in Rolling Meadows. Um, it's going to Walmart. <laughs> it's like a landmark. There are a couple notable, notable residents. Like I was looking, I was doing a little research on Rolling Meadows just in case my research was correct. Uh, Gary Cole, who played Lumberg from Office Space, is uh, at least lived school. there. 
Yeah. He went no. to your high school? He went to my high school, yeah. Okay. He was All the right. most famous person to co- go to that high school until probably Jimmy Garoppolo. That was my second person, Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, as a kid growing up, this is a, a random question about your childhood. Do you remember what your favorite toy was? Uh, yeah, without a doubt, I would play with my WWE action figures probably every single day. Hell yeah. I mean, it was, <laughs> I mean, I had full ongoing storylines and full, I mean, I would run shows like it was my job. I mean, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was mostly commentary from using the figures to writing out long storylines. That was my favorite thing to do as a kid. That's awesome. We, um, I would have to like trade my cousins because we weren't allowed to have them growing up. So I'd have to like trade them other toys to get like action figures from them. Like my parents weren't big into wrestling. So what? Oh my yeah. gosh. Well, let's not get into that because that's one of my questions for you later. Okay. Gonna dive okay. into your love of wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, when you were young, so I know that you work in marketing um, now. I don't think kids really know what marketing is or enough about it. Like what did you want to be when you grew up as a kid? So that's a that's um kind of a, a loaded question. So you probably know from my last answer, I'm I love storytelling. So mm-hmm. for me, I always wanted to be in a position where I was playing a character, writing a character, creating a character, something to that extent. And I'm I'm like not even exaggerating, but like I was going to be a professional wrestler until I was probably 17 or 18 years old, and I went to wrestling camp. They beat the crap out of me, and I was like, I can't do this the rest of my life. And yeah. So. There was a a real huge part of me growing up, even into my teens, and 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 that was to be a professional wrestler and to go be you know WWE champion or WCW champion. And mm-hmm. um, as I got a little older and into my teens, I really fell in love with filmmaking. So okay. when I was thirteen, like I wrote my first feature length screenplay, and I was loving all the horror films that my dad would let me watch on the weekends when we were with him. My parents are divorced. And, um, you know, then send me home terrified to my mother for the week. But, <laughs> but um, you know, what really, really compelled me to be like, I want to tell stories. I want to make people scared. So I spent my teens, like, doing a lot of writing. Um, and then as I got, you know, into my later teens and early 20s, I actually started shooting uh, the movies that I would write, too. So okay. um, it, was, it was really, like, the filmmaking and the professional wrestling was all I really wanted to do growing up. And then I kind of stumbled into marketing and it's a different kind of storytelling, but you're still telling stories. You're improving people's lives, um, you know, depending on what you're selling, I guess. But, um, <laughs> you know, I really, really enjoyed how you can tell a story about benefits and value and how you can actually change someone's life primarily through technology, which is where my career has been. And it just kind of something I fell into. And I was like, well, this is this is close. Like, this is pretty close to to the the thrill I get out of telling a story and the thrill I get out mm-hmm. of like captivating someone and, and helping them, you know, feel a certain kind of way at the end. That's interesting. Do you still have like the videos and stuff that you made? Yeah. You might find <laughs> some of them on the internet if you look hard enough. But. <laughs> I'll do that when I like, uh, when I'm having trouble falling asleep, I'll, I'll start looking for those. God, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. When I started making movies, like I've spent six grand at 18 years old on a camcorder that would shoot mini DV and oh yeah, the quality there is probably one tenth of what it is on a smartphone right now. And to think yeah. that I spent so much money and went into credit card debt at such a young age just so that I could make these movies, and now yeah. people are making you know feature films on on smartphones. So to yeah. me, it's just like it's it's crazy how the time changed. But 
looking at those now, I'm like, oh my God, the quality is terrible. I never knew how important sound was until later. And, you know, it's, it's just, um, yeah, it's such a different time right now. I mean, I've got a better sound system set up right here at my desk for like podcasts and webinars for work yeah. than I ever had on any movie. Absolutely. I, I, yeah. I mean, it's insane. It's like, I remember life before the iPhone, you know, like a lot, <laughs> a lot of people that I work with and stuff, they've never not had one as an adult. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember when the iPhone didn't exist. Right. Like and smartphones oh, were too. like a Blackberry where you could check your email and like open an Excel file. <laughs> yeah. I actually not, started not my career. No, oh, no, me neither. I mean, there's still advocates out there. I think that probably still have them. Yeah. Um, I was actually working at Motorola when the iPhone came out and it okay. was quite a, uh, yeah, quite a time to be in the, the cell phone <laughs> industry, I would say. So I worked in advertising at the time, but I worked on the BlackBerry account, um, when the iPhone uh, came out. So yeah, same, I mean, similar kind of thing, right? Where we're like, oh shit. <laughs> is that, yeah. is that, it was at the end of your career in advertising when, when you were stuck no. on BlackBerry after the iPhone came out? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I didn't learn fast enough. I should have jumped right then. Uh no, it's a it was a great time, right? It was a it was it was a really fun account like and um ultimately, right, things didn't work out in their favor, but what uh what a lot of lessons to take away from that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, um I know you mentioned you grew up in and around Rolling Meadows. Did you go to the same school your entire life or did you kind of like did you have to did you move between schools? So I went to, from um, second grade through eighth grade, I went to a Catholic school uh, okay. at, at my church, which was St. Colette. And it's actually right by Rolling Meadows High School. Like you could walk through the the field in the back, cross over a parking lot, and you're at Rolling Meadows High School. Uh, so doing that and having the same class of 18 to 22 people my whole life, I, I didn't change schools except to go to high school. But that okay. was like the biggest culture shock in the world. I remember my first day, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> How many people were in your class in high school? Because like, Rolling Meadows is not small. If I remember correctly, it was like, I think it was like 1,800 total. So probably okay. like 400 maybe, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I could be off by 50 or 100. But it was it's a relatively large school. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a big jump from like the, like you said the same eighteen to twenty kids your your entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- one of the things uh, that I like to ask people sometimes is like about their best and worst yearbook photos. Do you <laughs> do you want to share a story about your best and worst yearbook photos with us? Yeah, let me. Th- I can't remember <laughs> if it was. It had to be fifth or sixth grade. I had the bowl cut as most of us mm-hmm. did at the time. And I had like the part down the middle as most of us did by the time. And I'm going into my picture and, you know, I'm fixing my hair or whatever. And there's no mirrors or anything when you're in fifth or sixth grade. You just kind of your mom and, 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 you know, sisters or whomever prepares you. They send you off to school and there you go. I had like one giant string of hair just directly down the middle. <laughs> and it was I still to this day when people say yearbook photo, that's the first one that pops in my head because I can't get it out of my head how ridiculous I looked mm-hmm. and how I just missed this like blotch of hair. <laughs> and I, I hate that photo so much. And I was a little, um, you know, I, I was overweight growing up. So it's just like, there's nothing really redeeming when I think back to that photo. I think it was fifth grade. It might've been sixth. Yeah. Um, and then the best one, I don't have one. I <laughs> still to this day have to hunt for a, a photograph. I feel is good. Yeah. 
it's a trick question, right? It's like who has a good license photo? Same thing with yearbooks, I feel like. At least in the in the yeah. time that we were in school in that general area era. I feel like people now it's like they it's like glamour shots or something. I don't oh, know. Totally. It feels like it's like a, a you're doing an influencer photo shoot or something. Yeah. That I've seen. Absolutely. I remember my brother is like I don't, he's like four, four and a half years younger than me. And they had just started getting into like the retouching of yearbook photos when he was like a senior, maybe. So like they did. Yeah. You could, it was like an extra cost, but they basically would be like, well, like smooth out zits and stuff. And I was like, we did not, that was not an option for us. <laughs> um, I don't but think yeah, his stuff is, even existed. No, no. He, he has like a nice glow, you know, there's like, uh, I'll have to dig that up. I'll, when I go, I'm going home in a couple of weeks. I'm going to look for his for his uh, yearbook photo where he got the retouching. <laughs> it's honestly the best one I've ever seen, though. So, um, I know in college, and we'll get to college in a second. You were on the student newspaper, like myself. I was also the editor of my college oh, yeah. newspaper. Um, Congratulations! Th- thank you. It's a cr- it's a crowning <laughs> achievement of my career. Um, did you do like journalism and stuff like that through high school, or like what kind of extracurriculars were you into? Uh, that's a great question. I actually, um, when I was in junior high, I played basketball and I okay. broke my foot in eighth grade, uh, just as I was figuring out how to play basketball in any, any kind of respectable way. And, um, I just didn't want to play in high school and I didn't think I was good enough either. Um, so I, I left sports and I, I joined theater, um, in my freshman year. And I remember like Mr. McCrory, if, shout out if you're somehow listening, <laughs> Um, I begged him to be the student director because I was just uncovering my love of films. So I was like begging him to be student director of the school play. And he actually allowed me to to sort of do an assistant role there with the actual student director. So I was super mm. into theater. Um, I dabbled in musicals. I didn't really like musicals very much. So I did theater. And then my other big one was um, journalism. I think it was sophomore year. I joined the newspaper. Um, and you know, in, in high school, you start with classes and you take the class and then you kind of, you know, become, um, you know, a journalist on the newspaper in high school. And that was really where I was, I mean, I'm still super passionate about journalism and, and, you know, what's going on with that. But I really started to realize and learn a lot about like what happens in the media, what happens in journalism. And so that kind of like sucked me in a little bit because I'm a naturally curious person. So I mm-hmm. ask a lot of questions. I'm always trying to figure out, well, what's really going on, right? So I like to tell stories. I also, I guess, like to uncover stories and then retell them as well. Sure. So I got into that in high school, and, and I went for editor-in-chief my senior year. Um, I was a year behind everyone else that went for it that year, so I, I didn't get it. I ended up um, the entertainment editor of uh, the entertainment section. So that was a great time, too, but getting into college was where I really started to to see the power of journalism in like that setting where you're truly not censored, you're protected by the first amendment. Right. right. And in rolling meadows, like you can be censored by the principal, your teacher. We didn't have any of that, but I didn't really understand what was going on mm-hmm. yet at that mm-hmm. point. But, um, it's, it's to this day, it's something that I'm super passionate about. And, you know, I was young and, and silly at the time and I didn't really understand the, the pressure that comes with, with, uh, the type of reporting that I was doing. So, um, you know, in retrospect, it was a really cool experience. I almost wish I had it a little later in life. So I was a little more secure in myself. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's <laughs> the thing that you were talking about, like with having the the protection, like I remember I went to a really small school called 
the College of Mount St. Joseph on the west side of Cincinnati. Um, and it I've was like it. a small – you have or have not? No, I'm just kidding. I was kidding. Oh, I was like, <laughs> why? <laughs> um, <laughs> they So it was very small and it was like a Catholic liberal arts school. Um, and I remember like while, while I was on the student paper, like one uh, – there was a shooting that actually happened on campus. And that had never happened. Like it, you know, so it was like a whole thing where like the, the president of the college was like, we're going to shut down like the student newspaper. Like if you try to go to press with this and make it like a big deal. And we were like, we're running the story anyway. It was so dramatic, you know, um, it ended up being like, I don't even remember now, like what it, what it actually was, but we did run the story and it was dramatic. And like somebody had, yeah, I, 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 God, I wish I could remember what happened. This is what happens when I like, cause I'm old as hell. So I can't even remember. But it was dramatic. Wait, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, 42. Uh, 42 in May. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. okay. When's your birthday in May? Yeah. Uh, May 30th. Oh, okay. I'm 13th. So uh, right on. We're, we're close. 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 Than, uh, <laughs> dates, anyways. Yeah. yeah. No, it's funny um, you say that because I went through very similar experiences where I, when I was editor and I was like, I'm bringing integrity because our newspaper didn't have much integrity to it. It never came out on time. There wasn't any consistency. And yep. when I finally became editor... I was running and doing the investigative reporting myself and like they, I think at least three fourths of the editions that came out, we came out twice a month. I was in the, the vice president's office getting, mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't want the newspaper to be telling those kinds of stories. Right. We really want this to be a beacon and an advocate for the school. And so it's, it's crazy how like it's passive aggressive censorship. Or yeah. trying to do passive aggressive censorship. So good for you for running that story. That's brave. Absolutely. I mean, it's not a press release, right? Like we're literally trying to tell a story, not send out. Um, I don't know. Some. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> we're not touting the school. School, at this point. school enables school shooting. Like you're not yeah. doing anything like <laughs> right. that. <It's>... Right. <laughs> um, looking at myself and the timing, I'm going to jump ahead a lot, actually. Uh, so I know we talked about marketing um, and, and it's sort of the storytelling. You've had a lot of different marketing roles in like technology companies, uh, B2B marketing, software, et cetera. We talked about like marketing. Obviously, it's the interest of like storytelling and improving people's lives um, with so and using the LinkedIn segue to, to getting hit up for Love is Blind. What had you because I can't remember like the timings exactly. Had you seen season one by the time they reached out to you or had it not been out yet? No, it was out already. This was okay. December 2020. They reached out to me or made, it might have been end of November. Okay. It was end of November because I remember going um, home for Thanksgiving and thinking, should I tell my family? But yeah, it was. Uh, I had not watched the show. I had heard of it in name only, had no idea about the concept, had no idea. Um, you know, it wasn't on my radar other than I had like probably scrolled through it on Netflix and in some other capacity, and maybe heard about yep. it in passing for people. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and was it, was it like what we talked about earlier where it was like, this seems a little more sincere and genuine. Is that like sort of what made you think, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give this a try. Yeah. You know, it, it was, and, and it's funny, you know, I, I met Lauren and Cameron very briefly, but it was really their story that I watched. And I was like, he's genuine. She's genuine. They're here for the right reasons. And I'm like, that could happen to me. Yeah. And then I was just kind of, I talked about it with, you know, some of my very close friends, which I probably shouldn't say, cause we're supposed to be under NDA, but I talked to like five people about it. My sisters too. 
And I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, why not? I can come home in two or three days if it doesn't work out. I'm not giving anything up other than some time. And I was so burnt out on dating and the kind of, I don't know if we're supposed to, the BS of what happens in the dating scene these days. And I, I just was just over it. And, I, and my critiques of it were nobody gives anybody like a real opportunity. They don't try to get to know anyone in the same way that, that you need to to really decide if you want to date someone. So it's always someone's a swipe away or a heart like away or, um, you know, I've got 16, 17, 18, 20, or in some cases, probably a hundred people that I've matched with that are waiting to talk to me. So one thing about this person, I'm not sure of one awkward vibe and that's it. And to me, it's, it's destroying the dating scene for one, like this idea of endless opportunities and that there is no compromise. There is no learning to, to, be with someone and who someone is and what makes them tick. And then on top of that, like we're all very busy, right? We all have jobs. We all have, you know, we're running a mile a minute to have our lives in general, let alone when you've got work, you got family, you got friends. And this takes all of that away. So all you have to do is focus on getting to know someone and decide if there's someone that you want to spend your life with. Mm -hmm. And that to me was the most appetizing thing and the thing that suit my personality type the best um, that suits my critique or settles my critiques of the dating scene. And then I'm also very naive. I did not realize how popular or how big the show was <laughs> really until after it aired. And um, that to me was, was kind of like a, something I kind of wish I knew or maybe asked more about, mm -hmm. but um, that, that was really it. It was like, it, it eliminated so many of my challenges in dating and critiques of the dating scene. And, I figured, why not? What do yeah. I have to lose other than some of my time? <laughs> With like, obviously, if you're if you're in the pods and you're doing all of this stuff, right? Like they're capturing every single thing that, that's going on. There's a lot of stuff that gets left on the floor and uh, things get edited in specific ways, which is how TV works. But, yep. there, you know, I feel like uh, my question is, I guess if I had a question is, do you feel like um, there was a lot of focus around like sort of um, like – building up around this tension between you and Danielle. Right. And it was like, there's all this, like this from the past and this, like, do you feel like it was like exaggerated or edited to make it look more like that? Or do you feel like it, it just was sort of the way it happened because everything is heightened in such a short duration of time. So it, it's 100% a combination of both, right? Okay. There are, if you think about it this way, and this goes for both ways, like this goes for, there were things left on the cutting room floor. There were heightened tensions. You have, what did we shoot? Seven weeks, right? We had three weeks together, two in the pods, basically, another week in Mexico, and then you come home. Yeah. And every day, you're having these heightened, intense, extreme conversations that you're not having sometimes for six months, a year, 18 months, how you, you know, slowly integrate your lives together. And here you're being forced to do it day after day after day after day in extreme situations. Danielle and I were talking about whether or not we want to have kids on day two. Yep. That think <laughs> about what would happen if you said that on a second date. Yeah. You yeah. probably already said something on the first date that isn't getting you a second date. If you're talking about that on your second date. So if yeah. you think about that and then you think about, we talked about family and friends and how we grew up and why we are the way we are times a thousand. 
And then it's like one day meet my family, the next day meet her family, the next day meet my friends, the next day meet her friends. And a lot of this did get left on the cutting room floor. But and that's going to happen, right? Because you have just yeah. endless hours of footage and you've got one minute a segment, maybe two <laughs> minutes a segment to to put five hours of conversation and interactions together. So that's sure. like I never thought that wasn't going to happen. But where I thought we kind of missed what was missed from our story, let's just say, where I, I feel our story was missed was there were so many genuine interactions, things that happened both on and off camera that really, I think, would help some of the people who didn't understand, understand sure. our connection in the pods specifically. Like we hit it off after one day. Like I remember I was going through it and you speed date, right? So it's like 15 guys, 15 gals. And then you just go from one to one. I think it was seven minutes the first day. And I went, I think she was probably number 10. And I just remember by the time I got through like number four, I was like, this is never going to work. For me. <laughs> like, this, I can't believe I have like 10 more of these to do. Yeah. And that just went on and on. And no, if, like all the, all the, the women are wonderful people. Like there's sure. not a single, single woman on that side. I don't think is a wonderful person, but there's a different connection. Right. And I felt it with Danielle right away. And she felt it with me right away, too, in that first seven-minute um, interaction. And so what ended up happening was we had all these wonderful dates together that we took turns planning. She taught me how to make balloon animals. I sent her a bottle of champagne for a brunch. Like, we did all of these things that just didn't make it for time purposes. Sure. And so while everyone else was having their love triangles or making these big decisions about whether or not they were going to propose, we had actually decided the day before proposals that we were going to already say yes. Yeah. So we had all this time to get to know each other, to bond, to connect in a way that, you know, I think a lot of the other couples were doing, but maybe didn't get to, you know, put the bow on that until later. And so it's, that's boring for reality TV. So yeah. <laughs> there's like a scene in episode one where we get like a nice little one minute montage of all these fun times we have. And, you know, it's it you miss a lot in that. And then after that as well, I think there were just so many fun times and so many cool activities that we did together that, you know, it's it, it's boring. Like nobody yeah. wants to see us go out on a, a date, taste some wine and then go home. Right. And right. there were you know, <laughs> no one wants to see us have a conversation about student loans where she's like, I don't care that you have student loans. And I'm like, well, I have them and I'm stuck with them. And you know, no one wants to watch that. Right. So there were, <laughs> there were different, different scenes and, and stuff that were happened that were, you know, produced happy and then produced in some of the cases you saw. And the, the reality is, is you're never going to get a holistic picture. And that's just something you kind of have to understand and, and look at and move on. But yeah, there was a, I, I don't feel like it accurately gave a 360 view of our story by any means. Okay, but now okay. the cool thing is we get to tell it in our own way on social media, yeah. and we get to tell it through the people that we meet and interact with on a on podcasts and real life and whatever else we're doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> By um, this is a question from one of my coworkers who was super pumped that I was talking to you, <laughs> and she wanted to know. Um, I'm past my twenty minutes, by the way. I'm still asking this last question. Uh, <laughs> um, why? <laughs> Why were you sweating so badly at the wedding? She was very concerned okay. that you were going to pass out. <laughs> so I was very concerned I was going to pass out. <laughs> this was one of those days. It was June 8th of last year. It was our wedding day. 
Mm-hmm. And this rarely happens in Chicago. All of these perfect storms come together. And I have very bad luck. Like I'm a, I'm a walking piece of irony. So what, what happened was, is I have this suit that if I remember correctly is wool and it's 90 degrees in Homewood, Illinois. There's not a cloud in the sky, which never happens in Chicago. There's always no. a cloud. And then it was something like 80% humidity. Now, I'm fine, maybe not in a wool suit, but I'm fine 90 degrees with humid or without humidity and a couple clouds. But it was just beaten down. <laughs> I, and then the, the parts of the facility were so, um, they're, they're older and they didn't have air conditioning. So I was like okay. sweating before we got out there. I was concerned about it the whole time. And I sweat. Like, I'm not going to lie and say I don't sweat. Like, I'm a sweater. And <laughs> standing up there with the sun beating on me, and just waiting for Danielle and the pressure of what we're going to say. Yeah. And then the pressure of knowing that I'm sweating and wondering if it's sweat completely through the suit yet and wondering when she's coming, if she's coming, wondering what she's going to say, what am I going to say, wondering what it means for all the friends and family. And by the way, I'm sweating more than I was when I started that thought. Like these things just, (laughs) these things just snowballed into this this monstrosity that you see where I'm dripping sweat. And I, I honest to God, feel like they did me a solid and maybe like CGI'd some of the back sweat off because I remember it being a lot worse than you see in the cut. If I was one of the producers, I would be sitting there going, oh, yes, like this is the perfect, this is the perfect buildup, like, you know, based on all the way that things like have come together to now. Because like I remember sitting and watching this and we were like, holy shit, he's going to say no. Like he seems like he's going to pass out. Like he's, oh, he's is- freaking out. You know, that is amazing editing too, because I said, I do like that. <laughs> I, <it> was, sure. <laughs> but like yeah, you said, that's there, boring, there right? Was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, yeah. the sweating is just, I, I get lots of concern about it. I get lots of advice about it from people on social media, <laughs> which I really appreciate. Um, but yeah, it's, you catch me outside in the summer in Chicago, you'll probably see me sweating too. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's Yeah. It's, it's again, it's like you have to deal with it because it, you were so excited for the, for it to be above 50. So we'll take the sweat. Uh, I'm going to cut myself off. I get literally have so many questions. Uh, but, uh, we'll, we'll move into the second. I'm round. here for, I'm here for as, as much as you want to do, or, or if you want to move on, let's move on. Well, yeah, let's, um, let's move on and, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Maybe I can like parlay some of these into my five for five. Um, all right. This five for five round is uh, named after an Arby's culinary deal from the nineties, um, mo- where you got five classic roast beef sandwiches for five dollars. Oh, I remember. Um, which is <laughs> yeah, fed my family many nights. Um, so I have five questions for you. You have the opportunity to ask me five questions. You are the guest, uh, so I'll allow you to go first. All right. Well, I have. So I'm the master of the follow up question. So I yeah. gave myself like some themes and stuff, and I, I'll probably want to hit you with a follow up if if that's okay on some of these. But first yeah. one I wanted to ask you is: you're from Cincinnati. If it feels natural, you're... like just tack it on as like a part B of the first one. <laughs> Got it. I won't. Okay. I'll we're not that. we're not hard and fast enforcing it. <laughs> All right. So sorry. Um, you're from you're from Cincinnati. You're a big Nick Lachey fan, big Bengals fan. You came to Chicago, I think, 2007? 2007, yeah. Around that time? 2007. What brought you here? What keeps (laughs) you here? Why do you not go back to Cincinnati or somewhere else? Great question. Um, Very fair. So 
2007, my wife and I were getting married. Um, we ended up moving. So I worked at an advertising agency in Cincinnati. Um, at the time, Cincinnati wasn't as as cool as it is now. Um, and so there weren't, there just wasn't as much going on in general. So like, there weren't a lot of like agencies, even though like P and G was there and Kroger and, um, there were agencies and stuff, but like, we got to a point where like, when we were getting married, we were like, we want to be far enough away from both of our families that we need to rely on each other to like, get through whatever. So Mm -hmm. we drew this giant five hour circle around Cincinnati by car, um, and I interviewed for jobs and my wife's a teacher, so she could literally teach, you know, anywhere. Um, I interviewed for jobs in Columbus, Ohio, in Pittsburgh, uh, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Chicago, and Chicago ended up being the best, um, the best offer. We actually almost ended up in Pittsburgh because that was like the second best job offer. So um, we moved here. We ended up getting married a couple months later. She found a teaching job. We were here on a five-year plan. We were like... We're, we did never planned on having kids. So we were like, we, we can move every, whenever we want. Right. It's like kind of get up and go try new cities. Mm-hmm. She ended up loving it here. It's, I mean, it's fine for me. Um, we're in the suburbs now. We just moved to the suburbs last May. Um, Which suburb? My, Glenview. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. So we're, um, my job is in Wisconsin now. Um, it used to be in the West Loop. And so um, this puts me above like the traffic congestion in the morning. Um, but yeah, we're just you go to Wisconsin four days a week. Yep. Oh my gosh. And what yeah. do you do if you don't mind me asking? Yeah. I'm, I'm also in brand management, um, for a CPG oh company. Oh my gosh. I'm going to talk about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole different podcast, right? No, it's, uh, I, it's a, it's a great job, like in the grand scheme of jobs. Um, uh, but yeah, we're, I guess our five-year plan, we're like on year 15. So we're doing great. Um, third one i don't really know why i think it's close enough that we can be home if we need to be but it's far enough away that like we've kind of like made you know it's like we have we've made our own life here so yeah um i think that's the reason probably plus there's something beautiful about being far enough away from the family drama sometimes to like see it but not be like in the thick of it (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's that's probably another reason well, I feel that way being in Chicago and the rest of the family's in Rolling Meadows. So, sure, <laughs> not quite the yeah. same amount of distance, but sometimes <laughs> it's just the right amount, right? <laughs> My first question for you is: um, What's something that, no matter how hard you try, you just can't cook it well? Oh my gosh, salmon! Oh, hundred percent salmon! I can't even reheat it well. Like it's, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I just can't get the the. I like it crispy on the outside. And then soft on the inside, I can't do it. It doesn't matter what recipe I find. If I sear it, then bake it, bake it, then sear it. It doesn't matter. That's a hard one. Yeah. yeah. I th- sure like, cannot grill it. No. No. I feel like, again, like thinking back to school, it would have been nice to learn how to cook better than like some of the stuff that I learned that isn't useful. I don't know. Like geometry. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You know, my, I know you didn't ask me for my answer to this question, but it's a pancake. I can't actually flip a pancake. It falls apart when I try to turn it. So really, are you using like yeah. a homemade mix or is that BizQuick or uh, either or? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I think it's, That's I've been told one. that it's that I don't let it get done enough. Um, 
before I try to flip it or something. I don't know. But I've never you been able to like it like gets the big bubbles. That's how yeah. you know. I guess I don't do it long enough because I'm always afraid it's going to burn. <laughs> I don't know. Well, a <laughs> so salmon cake's worse than no pancake at all. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll get pancakes <laughs> out because I'm like, I can't really make them well at home. Just embarrassing. At least salmon is like ambitious. That's like that's like a chef meal. Like mine's a pancake. That's embarrassing. Oh my god. <laughs> well, luckily, luckily, I lucked out because Danielle makes phenomenal salmon. So that's awesome. she makes it often. So I get I get to enjoy it. Awesome. I, I can't for the life of me. I don't even try anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time for your second question. All right, so sticking with the Cincinnati slash Chicago for, for this one. Yeah. You are a big Bengals fan. Yes. They had a, a, first of all, I want to say Nick Lachey told me when we were filming that the bears were going to be good with Andy Dalton. And I'm very upset about that because they were not good with Andy Dalton. They weren't good without him either, but they were not no. good with him. And then to see Joe Burrow swoop in there and take you guys to the Super Bowl. Like it's almost personal with Nick. And yeah. I, I told him that at the reunion too. But um, on that note, what do you, <laughs> you're, you're a Bengals fan. I'm assuming that's your number one team for yeah. sure. Would you rather have those years where they were so bad and just go in hopeless or get all the way to the Super Bowl and the Cinderella story with Burrow coming back from his torn ACL and then get smashed in the Super Bowl? It's one of those things where without the downs, you don't appreciate. So I don't think I would get rid of the bad years. Maybe I would have, well, maybe I would have shaved them down slightly because <laughs> there were a lot of them. Um, them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, I, I don't think I would, I think I would keep it the, the way it happened. Is that the okay. option? Is that, did I understand the yeah, question? Yeah, right? no, totally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's I'm so bitter as a bears fan now. I just like, I'm like, I welcome their losses. I get more yeah. upset when they win sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> The thing about the thing about being a Bengals fan and and the magic of this past year and I I believe it will happen for you, for the Bears again at some point. I don't know when. Like I'm not a football expert. Um but um to see the way that the city really got behind them and like how much people believed and like how different everything was. It was like, "Oh, I can really appreciate this because I've literally been on the other end of the spectrum for 15 years, you know, because I would say like the early to mid 2000s, there were some fun years. They never got to like the Super Bowl, but there were some fun years where they were like not at least embarrassing. Right. Oh, yeah. I remember like <laughs> Chad Johnson. Yeah. T.O. Carson Palmer. Yeah. There were some fun years in there. Yeah. And that was the last time I had been to a live game was um like I remember because it was always like you were waiting to see like how Chad Johnson would propose to like one of the cheerleaders or whatever. Right. Like, um, yeah. It, so it was fun, you know, and then it went through a lot of years of just being really, really rough. Um, but this year made it all, made it all worth it. And it like, based on the off season stuff that's happened, it does. I mean, it seems like they're trying to make it better. So, so that was going to be a quick follow up. Like, do you feel that it was a one year got getting hot at the right time or you think they're, they're building something? No, I think they're going to try to build something. I think, cool. I think they're going to try. I think, I think if they don't move fast enough, they're going to piss him off, and then he's going to piss <laughs> out. Um, but it seems like they're trying. It it really does. And honestly, I don't remember the last time that that happened. So that's good. Uh, yeah, that's exciting. I was rooting for him this year. I was really rooting for him. Yeah. I wanted to see them win the whole thing. 
yeah, it was, I mean, they were a fun team to watch, you know? Um, and I told my wife, I was like, we're, her name is Liz. I was like, Liz, we are going to a game next year. Like, I don't give a shit, you know, if we have to go to the home scout opener. tickets. <laughs> yeah. Like we're going, we're going. <laughs> um, my second question for you is we talked, you obviously work in marketing um, and have done some brand management as well. What's a jingle from a commercial that gets stuck in your head? I mean, at the fact that this one popped in my head, I feel like I need to share it. It's seven, seven, three, two, oh, two, 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 Luna. Yes. That's so and funny. Cause I was thinking one that popped in my head is empire five, eight, eight, two, three hundred empire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are, that's amazing. I love that you went straight there. Cause that's, uh, that's exactly where my head went. So, um, <laughs> The other one that gets stuck in my head that's really annoying is that one eight seven seven cars for kids. I don't know if you know that. Oh one. yeah, yeah I do. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty that bad. One's annoying. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're all kind of annoying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, it's time for your third question for me. <laughs> all right, so we'll we'll switch it up here a little bit. Um, now I've got a good last one, I think. So. What your WWE fan, wrestling fan in general, so I'll, I'll rephrase this, but what was the first moment you remember that like hooked you? And because you said your parents didn't really let you watch it or didn't want you to watch it or weren't fan. What was the moment that hooked you? Like the Mick Foley seeing Superfly Snooka jump off the cage. Yeah, I, w I wish mine was was that cool. Um, <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> it was WrestleMania eight. Um, it was the i had days. watched it on vhs uh at my cousin's <laughs> house and um i mean wwf has always knocked it out of the park with like their production right so you could come in like and watch and rent like a video from blockbuster that was a vhs wrestlemania tape and if you had never watched it they would give you enough of the build-up through the production that like you understood the story and why the match was happening right and i remember watching the build-up to the jake the snake and rick the model martel blindfold match which my uh, wrestling dad, Les Thatcher, would be like, that is a terrible match to get hooked on um, from two very talented wrestlers. <laughs> um, but I remember like being caught up. I was like you. I was like, there was a story. It was a story for me. And I was like, you know, at the time I was very young. So I like believed all. I didn't like know what oh, yeah. was fake versus what it wasn't. But I was like, this is amazing. This guy's a model. He sprays this shit. He like sprayed him in the eyes. And now they're going to do this. And the stakes are even. It was just like, you know, and I, I loved it. Um, and out of all the matches on that card, like that's the one that drew me in. But that was it. It was the whole story of that. And, uh, and obviously I thought they were really like blindfolded and like feeling the ring, you know, and it, I mean, oh, yeah. it, it just action. drew me in. Yeah. That was the moment. And I never, I never went back. I remember. Um, a couple years later, uh, we got to go to a wrestling show at the Cincinnati Gardens um, again <laughs> with a cousin. And my youngest brother was, again, like four or four and a half years younger than me. And he was uh, he liked the Ultimate Warrior. And um, oh, at yeah. this time, like Undertaker and Ultimate Warrior were feuding. And so Undertaker had put him in a casket and he started crying, you know, because and I was like. I remember I was a little older, obviously, and I was like, yeah, I was like, man, he's he's dead. He's not coming back. You know? <laughs> so you started the Ultimate Warrior Died Rumors. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so many. There were so many of those. <laughs> um, That's hilarious. Yeah, that was the moment out of all of them that sucked me in. But it, it's the story for me. It's 
obviously like the athleticism is, is amazing. And, um, but it, it's, to me, it's all about the, uh, it's the story that draws people in. Yeah. I completely agree. And that when they tell those longer term ones where you just have these like little nuggets, right. And it follows yeah. that, that almost storyline arc. Those are the yeah. ones where I'm just like, Oh man, here we go. This is what, this is what makes wrestling good. Yeah, when absolutely. Good. Did you being a CM Punk fan, did you, um, watch the CM Punk MJF story unfold? So I followed it on YouTube more okay. than I actually watched, um, watched it. I watched the, when they had that dog collar match, that thing See, was brutal. Yeah. That yeah. wasn't that. That was like a month ago, maybe? A yeah. A weeks ago? Yeah, it was the yeah. last pay-per-view, which is Revolution. Yeah. 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 I, I watched that. Um, and then I watched like all the clips and stuff leading up to it. Yeah. I don't really know MJF too well um, yeah. outside of like a few clips here and there and that everybody talks about him. But yeah. that that kid has, he has like that it factor about him and you can just tell. It, like what I was saying about Edge, where there's just something different about the type of charisma. Yep. Yeah. So MJF used to do, <laughs> he used to do shows in, um, do you know where uh, 115 Bourbon Street is down in Marionette Park? It's like a south suburb. No. no. <laughs> uh, he wrestled for a company here in in Chicago called AAW, which is, I don't remember what it stands for, but they have great shows. Um and I remember my wife and I went to one at 115 Bourbon Street, which was like a nightclub, and they ran in this back room. Um, uh-huh. And I like that was the first time I had seen him live. I had like seen a couple of his things on the internet or whatever. But we were sitting there, and I literally looked at her, and I was like, "That guy is going to be as big of a star as The Rock." And she was like, mm-hmm. "Shut the fuck up," you know, like. <laughs> and I was like, "No, no, no! I'm being serious." Like he exactly what you said like he came through the curtain it didn't it wouldn't have mattered if there were seven people there or 700 he was like on it was you know he had them in the palm of their hand and it was like the whole night you know and i literally was like this guy is amazing um and yeah still now like he's he's that good at at 25 oh i didn't even know he was only 25 holy cow that's nuts he yeah. can hang on the mic with CM Punk, and that's not something many people can do. Like, I no. even remember, like, I mean, we could talk about wrestling forever, but I even remember, <laughs> like, when The Rock was back and he was feuding with CM Punk before Rock won the title and fought Cena. And I just remember, like, and I love The Rock. Don't get me wrong. I yeah. love The Rock. But I felt like CM Punk kind of ran, The Rock's really good at insults. But yeah. CM Punk, like, kind of ran circles around him when they were interacting with each other because he's that good. And yeah. MJF met the moment with him, yep. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which was very impressive to see. Absolutely. It was a brilliant, it was a brilliant storyline. And that's why somebody like that, that like I love, that's the things I love about AEW. And then to watch some of the other stuff, you know, that happens, I'm like, Oh, you're getting it so right. And so wrong at the same time, you know, but WWE, like we said, they do the same thing. It's like, they do an amazing rumble to, to WrestleMania season. They, bl- you know, they do spectacle bigger than anyone else and better than anyone oh else. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then it's like. compares to being there. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. Sorry. I know that wasn't technically my turn to ask, but I wanted to ask if you if you saw that story unfold. No, because no, being no, a CM can, Punk fan. Yeah. You should if not. <laughs> I keep I, I keep hoping I'm going to run into him because I, I live, I think, if he still lives in the same neighborhood, like pretty close to him. But oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Never happened to me. Uh, but. You know, maybe you'll have better luck. (laughs) My third question for you is, what's one important skill that you think every person should have? 
Oh, wow. That's a really good question. Um, in life or professionally, or does it? It doesn't matter. matter. No. So I think the, the, the way I'm positioning this is from a skill that I've learned that I think has helped me in immensely in communication. It's helped me immensely in work and personal life. And it's still a work in progress, but the ability to adapt yourself to the needs of a situation or the needs of a conversation to make it go a way that you need it to go or it should go so that yeah. you don't have like friction in your communication styles, whether that's work, personal or friends, family, spouse, whatever. So I, I've really learned how to adapt myself and what I'm doing and how I'm reacting in most cases to what the situation needs to move forward. And I think that that is a skill that I'm very lucky to ha have. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone would benefit from being able to, to sort of pivot and react and act themselves as opposed to react and act to what other people are saying or doing. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It, it does to me because I can 100% see – I understand what you're saying and then I see areas where like things would have gone better for me had I been able to do that better. So I get yeah. it 100%. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think it's easy with that one to take it as exactly what you said. Like it absolutely would be beneficial at work. But like that's a skill for every situation. That's not a work skill. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it really is. And I learned it at work. Like that's where I had sure. to learn it. But I, yeah. I've realized, oh, you know what, this, this works in a lot of situations. I also think being humble is another good one. Like, you know, I, I forgot, um, you know, there's plenty of times I've been forgetting things, especially recently as life been kind of crazy. And, you know, you, you mess something up, just own it. Like people yeah. respect you more if you own it rather than point a finger or make an excuse. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, it's time for your fourth question for me. All right. So now this one is... So you, you're a, I forget how you describe yourself. You're a stand-up comedian, sort yeah, of, sort something of, something like that, right? <laughs> sort of, yeah. What I want you to tell me, and this may be more of a, a story than than a question, but I want you to tell me about your first time getting up in front of people and oh. doing your first comedy act, and tell me what happened. What was the best part? What was the worst part? And yeah. what was your first joke or something like that? Um. So before I actually like did anything as far as like training, cause I did, t I ended up taking a, like a short training program, like seven years ago. Um, but back in like, geez, the early 2010s, 11 ish range, I was working on pitching a reality show actually. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the concept or one of the episodes was going to be around like learning to tell a joke. It was like, let me back up. The reality show was based on like learning to do stereotypically manly skills. So it was everything from hunting to changing oil to like tying a tie to giving a best man speech to like how to tell a joke. Like that was one of the small and it was going to be like a web series. Um, and I sought out at this point I was living in the Western suburbs um, and I sought out help from um, a guy by the name of Matt Drufke, who's a comedian. And at the time, he was running a show at the Comedy Shrine in Aurora. And um, and I kind of just said to him, like, this is what I'm trying to do. Like, would you be able to help me? Would you be like my coach for this episode or whatever? And so he was very helpful. Um, 
I think I had no idea what I was getting into. So I, I ended up performing at an open mic. Um, I would say maybe like four to five weeks after like kind of working with him and going back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. I had zero idea how to like time things out, which I guess I still haven't done any better on that since I have, <laughs> you know, two hours worth of questions for you. Um, but, uh, but I remember going on, so, you know, stand up open mic, I, it was like five minutes and then like at four minutes, they give you like the flashlight. They'll literally like shine a light in your face. Yeah. It's basically like, you got a minute, like wrap it up. And I just, I was like, I don't know what to do because like I've written much more. <laughs> and so I just kept going and going and, um, it was all like based on sort of the premise of it was like the funny, the trying to find the humor in the reality show concept, which was basically like <laughs> that my wife like does more of the manly things around the house than I did at the time, right? Well, I mean, she still would if we had a house, but um, <laughs> and uh, and so like I remember like I opened with like my like I have a hope chest and my wife has a tool chest or something like that, you know, like <laughs> so like it got like a you know there were like little laughs and things like that, but um. The best part of it was that a lot of people from my work came out and saw it and it was a drive for them because they most of them lived in the city. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was cool to have their support. And without them there, it probably would have been dead quiet in that room. The worst (laughs) part was like feeling like, oh, I really messed this up. And like I just kept running and going and going because I didn't know how to like get out of it, you know. Um, But man, talk about the respect. Like doing it just once, I was like, this is way harder than people give it. Credit for being, you know. Yeah, um, when you watch someone do it, it just flows, and it's just like, how do you yeah. develop that skill set? Yeah, it's when they, when they do it well, it is a it's a gift because they make it look so easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't like talking in front funny. of people, you know. So like, it's in an ideal setting, like I would write stuff that other people would perform, but that happens for like okay. you know. Point one percent of the population or something <laughs> uh so yeah i just kind of like make myself go up and do it at this point but um it's it's How a often lot you do it so i'm trying to get back into it now i hadn't been doing it because my wife because um has a comp yeah. yeah she has like a compromised immune system and so we're just now getting to the point where we're like doing normal stuff again mm-hmm. um and it's been a long ass time but um <laughs> yeah it's uh i would i before that i was probably doing it like a couple times a month. And then I had a show that I produced in my hometown outside of Cincinnati that um, it was like four times a year. So I would bring in like people that I had met through, you know, comedy and like run a show there and then put myself on. (laughs) So it was a way to perform with people out of my league. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's a hobby for me. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you sticking with it though. I mean, that's not easy to get up there your first time, especially in, realize that you hadn't timed out anything and then get oh. rushed and the flashlights in your face and you just truck through and still yeah. do it to this day. So kudos to you. Yeah, it was rough. Poor Matt. He was, he's a, he still does it. Actually, he's very funny. He still performs all over the suburbs and sometimes in the city. So if you ever see, uh, I don't know if you do, if you use Twitter, his Twitter handle is at, I hate Matt Drufke. Um, he's a, <laughs> he is a sweetheart and like a very funny guy he has a very funny comedy album called, this is supposed to be fun. I can't say enough nice things about Matt. If you guys are listening, you should check him out. He's very, very funny. My um, fourth question for you is um, if you if you were to have a kid, what's a name that you could never give them and why? Oh, my gosh. That's a good question. Well, I don't <laughs> think I could give – I don't think I could give someone uh, like a boy, like a name like Chad or Kyle or – 
or one of those like bro names, I feel mm-hmm. like I would need to give them something unique. And then with um with a girl, like you could never name someone Karen. No oh, girl no. should ever be named Karen again. Mm-mm. My mother in law is Karen, and she is a <laughs> I'm Karen. I'm so sorry. For her. <laughs> <laughs> she's not. She's not by nature, but she can whip out the, the Karen when she needs to. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious! I hope she's yeah. not going to listen to this. <laughs> she will. She will for sure. She had to go Karen on Texas Roadhouse the other day. She was telling us about it. Oh so. no, not the Texas Roadhouse. I know. I know. Look, it doesn't matter how good those roles are. You you know. That customer service needs to be there. She's gonna, she's a she's a letter writing Karen. She writes a lot of letters. Oh wow. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. And those yeah. probably don't even get read anymore. I feel like maybe not. Now Sometimes she doesn't even send them. Social. You know. Oh wow. She says it just feels good. Yeah, to like get it out. <laughs> so I actually love that about her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But she like I've seen her, I've seen her ask like at a Coles or something. She'll find something on clearance that's like very cheap already. And she'll have like a 30% off coupon, obviously. And then there'll be like a tiny scratch on it or something. And she'll try to ask them at the theater, at the theater, at the register, like, <laughs> can you take a little more off because there's a scratch? And I'm like, you're paying like $3.40 for something that was like <laughs> $76. You know, like, I think it's fine. I think you, you're going to be fine. Get that extra thirty cents off. She'll be good. She loves a bargain. <laughs> loves a bargain. But she's not actually. I mean, so she can be a Karen, but she's not a Karen by default. But she is. Yeah. The the whole Karen movement has really um, bothered her to the point where oh, she's I like, bet. it sucks to be a Karen now. You know. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine. I can't yeah. imagine at yeah. this point. <laughs> All right, it's time for your fifth question for me. All right, so this one, um, you know. It, you're into comedy, you're into wrestling, you had your gender roles, I guess, podcast that <laughs> that is hilarious, or not podcast, reality show that is hilarious uh, between you and your wife. I can't do much handy stuff either, so I probably would have would have enjoyed that. Um, <laughs> but outside of like what I can read online or what your listeners can read online or what you've talked about, like what's something that lights up your brain or that you're super passionate about that maybe isn't something that you're you're vocal about or that you've shared yet? Yeah. Um, so I am, <laughs> I've tried to tone this back slightly, um, because I don't really know why. Um, it's, it, it's resulted in, um, in some pretty tumultuous, like personal relationship things like with family and friends. Um, I am, uh, incredibly liberal to the point liberal by other people's label, um, because I am so much a believer of like <clears throat> people's like fundamental, just like, I don't want to say God given, but like the right to things like housing to, um, I would love to work like with somebody like, uh, an AOC or, um, you know, somebody that's, that's very much like fighting for, for people, because in my opinion, um, <laughs> Now my now my father in law and mother in law will stop listening. Um, <laughs> no, in my opinion, though, right? Like we we have a severe balance, like out of balance. What's the word? I'm like we're out of balance in this country. It's like we're yeah, yeah. It's just it's insane. And you look at like it's like people can't get ahead, and then people are like, oh, they're just lazy. And it's like no, like people literally they start like at such a deficit they can't bring themselves to even like. Yeah. 
pay, you know, because they'll be like, oh, well, why don't they save a little? There's all this like criticism of like, I know this and I know this about this person. And I know this about this. In my head, we are all like fundamentally, let's not all, the majority of people are fundamentally good people who are yeah. honest people and hardworking and want to better themselves. And the system is very against them. Um, and it's, I'm very passionate about it, as you can probably tell, because I'm like getting angry. Um, but I've tried to stop. I've tried to divorce that from like what I would call my online brand based on like some of the things that it's led to. Because the other thing that then happens is if you have somebody like one of my buddies, Tim from back home is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum for me from that, like from a political standpoint. Right. Uh -huh. And and so it would get to a point where it was like, we couldn't even have a conversation without like being in disagreement. And it's like, dude, what are we doing? Like, we both love a lot of the same things. Like we're both people who work hard, who like are good people. Like he's, you know, he was in the military, like he's done so many amazing things. And it's like, let's just like not dwell on it. So I've tried to like sort of divorce that. And I think it's probably, it wouldn't come through as much now. Like if you were searching for stuff, um, some of my old Facebook statuses and stuff, maybe, but, um, <laughs> and like my neighbor, my next door neighbor ended up like blocking me on, on Facebook. Like, Jesus. Yeah, because um, she was very staunchly like pro-life, um, anti-abortion pro-life. <laughs> and uh, and so it became like a whole thing. And I was like, this is not, you know, that's like, it got in the way. Um, and, and so I'm trying really hard to find the passion and channel it in the right way without like uh, alienating people and like being divisive, I guess. That's, <clears throat> well, again, I don't know, like, I'm exactly like you. I'm very passionate about that stuff. Yeah. Um, and it does, it's like lately the divide has just been, you can't even have a conversation with folks. And I'm actually, I think I'm uniquely almost talented in a sense of being able to have conversations with people like mind, similar mind, different mind. Yeah. But man, does it test my patience when I do because <laughs> it's, everyone's just ready to like talk and nobody's ever ready to just listen. And I grew up like in Rolling Meadows, like we moved a lot. We were poor. We struggled. Like there were times that we didn't know what we were going to eat for dinner or if we were going to have dinner and we'd search the couch cushion for change so we could go buy spaghetti. Like I, I know that there's this, and this is by the way, while my mom's working full time, of course, my dad's working full time, they're divorced or, or separated, but why is there no dignity in a full time job that someone cannot have to worry about basic human needs? Yep. And that that's a very important thing to me too. So I, I'm glad that you shared that, um, even though it's not something you're exactly leaning into in every interaction <laughs> you have. It's it's tough. It's a tough it's a tough stance. Like I, I have some you know hot takes and you know controversial thoughts about some of this stuff, and they're only controversial because you know the the media makes them controversial. Yeah. Instead of being a conversation talking point. And this is my whole, my whole spiel is the media sucks. And they're the reason that we're in this situation because I went on, um, it's like the pride of my life. I went on breaking points. I don't know if you've ever watched that. Yeah. Um, with online and I taught, I got to talk about how, you know, I look at outside in Chicago and no one's reporting on how we have tent cities popping up and there's more homeless people than there's ever been before. Like, where's yep. the news? Right. Why are they not telling people why this is happening? Why are they, why are we hearing people still say, oh, these people just need to get a job. They don't even have a house. How are they right. supposed to take a shower and then get dressed with the clothes that they don't have anymore 
or that yeah. never had and go get a job. And what job, by the way? Like, it's just, yeah, it's crazy. And this, <laughs> this is, this a, could be a whole nother podcast too. Absolutely. I think we do a wrestling one and then <laughs> we do a, <laughs> we have, we have so many, uh, tangents. My, my fifth and final question for you, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Is, uh, what do you want people to feel when they're around you, when they're spending time with you? Um, that's a wow, good question. I think ultimately I want people to feel safe, um, in a way that whether we're conversing, whether we're just sitting, whether we're walking, whether we're out, that they're in a, in a pretty judgment free zone and that, um, you know, they don't have to worry about who they are or what they're thinking or how they're feeling around me. Um, because, you know, we all had feelings and stuff that we, we can't understand. And I, I just, I've been uncomfortable in situations before and I still am sometimes to be honest, but I don't want anyone to ever feel that way around me. I don't want to be the reason someone's uneasy feeling bad or sad or feeling like they can't be themselves. Yeah. I love that. It goes back to that, like general, like just empathy, right? Like, yeah. yeah. I, it, that's the thing For is better or worse. I'm an empath. That's yeah. like, I just, and, and you can't teach like, that's not something that can tra- you can train no. or teach somebody. So, no, oh man. Um, we'll move on to the fast friends, fortune teller. Um, All right. which is, it's very, it's custom printed. We spare no expense on this oh, podcast, very nice. <laughs> much to the chagrin of my credit score. Um, <laughs> so what I'll do is I'll ask you a couple of questions that will reveal an activity. Um, for all of these, assume that you and I are on a road trip together. Um, okay, perfect. So the first question I ask, I'm asking you to start a boy band playlist. Cause I obviously love boy bands. Obviously love Nick Lachey. Obviously love 90 degrees. Um, <laughs> would you pick the first song from InSync, One Direction, Backstreet Boys, or 98 Degrees? And you're not catering to me. This is like truly your your choice. It would be Backstreet Boys. Okay. I respect yeah. that. I should say all of these choices on all of these questions are wins for me. So um, <laughs> do you have a go-to favorite Backstreet Boys song? Oh, my God. It depends on my move, but I actually really like um, – I really like Incomplete. Oh, uh, which was one of I think that's from 2003 yeah. or four. Maybe I'm a big, big Backstreet Boy fan uh, back okay. in the day. Um, yeah. That and then I think um, you know Backstreets back. Everybody, yeah. it's fun. That's a fun. It's one. very fun. It's very fun. Um, we stop at a gas station and we're going to get snacks. From these four snacks, would you get Milk Duds, Corn Nuts, Cheez Its, or Sour Patch Kids? Sour Patch Kids. I know this. I think this goes against some of your. Uh, <laughs> some of these questions are going to go against some of your uh, beliefs on on GMOs, probably. Um, <laughs> I I have I may have beliefs on them, but I still consume them when. Okay. Uh, when no, that's cool, <laughs> and it can be hypothetical, right? Kids. <laughs> Sour Patch Kids are good. Um, I'm pretty sure they're organic too. Um, we, <laughs> we stop at a an exit further down the road, and we're going through drive through. Would you pick uh, from these four restaurants at the exit? Wendy's, McDonald's, Burger King, or Arby's? Oh, it would be between Wendy's and Arby's. I would probably do probably Arby's, actually, I think. Hell yeah. But if I were, the only thing holding me up on Wendy's is the spicy chicken nuggets. Yeah, those are pretty good. That's, that's, those are amazing to me, but I, I mean, nothing beats an Arby's. Yeah. Roast beef and cheddar, like nothing. So good. So, so good. Just melts in your mouth. Arby's doesn't get enough respect in my opinion <laughs> no don't they own like a bunch of stuff too yeah, didn't they they do i'm like what yeah they like, own wow 
they own a lot of things. Yeah. I know. I remember. I feel like they bought like I don't remember. They bought like Buffalo Wild Wings or something, and I was like, Yeah. What, what else did they they buy? Um, I want to say they bought like Dunkin' Donuts or something crazy. They might like have. That. They might. I know they own this same parent company owns um, Popeyes, for sure. But That's I don't know insane. about. Yeah, Dunkin'. I just checked. It is. It is Dunkin'. They bought Dunkin' okay. in 2020. Like you would think Dunkin' would buy Arby's. Correct. Like if you had to. Yeah. Jump in. It's just crazy. Arby's is laughing less on this. They're uh, everybody yeah, no can make kidding. fun of them, but they're laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> um, so underneath Arby's on this week's fortune teller is the game Truth or Dare. So Nick, you can pick a truth um, or Ooh. a dare, and I have uh, obviously a truth or a dare for you, depending on what you pick. Um, I'm gonna go with truth. Okay. Um, like dares. No, it's all right. I don't either. <laughs> um, <laughs> the truth is, um, and this may be hard. Because I feel like it, it goes against uh, our empath ways. But <laughs> who is somebody that you pretended to like but actually didn't really like? In real life. Yeah. I mean, I guess it could be um, – I don't know. It could be something else. Like a movie a character really or something? Time. Well, that, that's good. I, I have a really hard time pretending to like yeah. someone because the way that I am with people that I do like is much more animated and much more – um excited where i'm just short with people i don't like but i had um i don't want to like put anyone on blast per in my personal life but <laughs> i had um i had a coworker that i worked with in one job and then got her a job at my next job and that was actually um you know my first like time recommending someone for a job oh everybody hated her and the since I was now working with her regularly, yeah, I just like couldn't stand her. I yeah. just was like, I can't believe I thought like we were friends. I can't believe I thought I liked you. And everything from the way she would breathe to the way that she <laughs> would talk annoyed me. And I I don't really get like that very often, yeah. but that one sticks out to me as someone I was just like, I just I thought I liked you. I don't even like you. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's that's, um, that's the one that sticks out. Yeah, that's really hard. But now I don't really even pretend to like people. That I mean, I'll be yeah. cordial, but sure, I'm not gonna say I don't like you unless you're asking for it. Yeah, yeah. But I'll yeah, yeah. You have to do something pretty bad. Yeah, I'm, I I think I'm kind of like the same way. It's like I'm gonna be nice and like friendly. Like I'm not gonna be an asshole to anybody. Mm -hmm. Unless they like very, very truly deserve it, yeah. in which case they'll know that I don't like them. Oh, so yeah. Like, I yeah. try to remove myself from those situations and put up boundaries so that I yeah. don't have to hurt someone's feelings or, or be in that situation. So it's yeah. like back to that, like adapting to the situation thing, I think. Is. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. This is the moment we've been building to. This is like where all um, cards are on the table. This is the friend request. So. In the vein of Facebook, um, they're going to oh sue me gosh. for that one day. Uh, in the vein of Facebook, though, Nick Thompson, Logan Cummins has sent you a friend request. Based on our time that we've spent together, would you confirm or delete the friend request? I will confirm the friend request. That we was really fast. Yeah. yeah. No, we're going to we're going to the Royal Rumble next year. Hell God yeah. God knows what else is in the cards. A road trip. So many things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Arby's for sure. Arby's. I have yeah. Sour Patch Kids. 
God, it's going to be so much fun. Backstreet Boys was a close second. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they're they're still around, aren't they? They're like I think they had yeah. a new album like two years ago. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. all honestly, they're like all just cranking out stuff, except for NSYNC. It's wild. Yeah. Well. Um, well, thank you so much for accepting my friend request. Uh, if you're listening at home, you can hit up Nick or I on social media or text the podcast and tell us what you think we should do the first time that we hang out. You can't talk. You can't give us wrestling because we're already <laughs> doing that. Um, but you can text us at 872-267-2735. Nick, do you want to tell people where they can find you and follow you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. It's at nthompson513. Um, you can try and find me on Twitter. It's underscore Nick Thompson. I haven't been on in a long time. Um, the Twitter's a dark, scary place. I don't really like anymore. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Instagram's the best place to find me. That's where I I share um, a lot of my content and and what I'm doing. Yeah. And uh, as someone who follows you on Instagram and has obviously since the show, um, I'm very excited for you and Danielle. I think you guys seem like you're doing very well, and I'm so happy to see that. Um, so yeah, if you guys don't follow Nick, uh, go, go follow him and Danielle and, and watch the rest of their story unfold. Yeah, we're, we're a fun little, uh, couple. We're always doing something <laughs> crazy and exciting. So it's, yeah. it's fun to watch. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming <laughs> on, man. Yeah, absolutely. This was a blast. Thanks for having me on Logan. Of course. Thanks for listening to the fast friends podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for an all new episode. Go ahead and hit subscribe so you don't miss it. You can follow me on Twitter at Logan Cummins. And if you have a suggestion on someone that I should be friends with, go ahead and let me know at fastfriendspodcast.com.